Well, today we're starting that new series on the family, and the series is entitled, My Messed Up Family. And the reason for that title is that in spite of what you might have seen online, on social media, or portrayed in advertisements, there are no perfect families. And I think that if we were honest this morning, we would be very quick to list some imperfections in our own families, in our families of origin, in our own lives. In fact, anyone who does any work on figuring out why they personally are so messed up, they figure out, well, it's my family's fault, right? They were messed up. And the family they were part of was messed up. The truth is that Scripture teaches us that from Adam and Eve, we've been a fallen, broken people. We pass down that sinful nature from generation to generation. And every family tree is a picture of God's work of redemption being so desperately needed. In today's opening message in this series, I want to show you that the key ingredient that a family that is well, a family that is restored, a family that is healthy, the key ingredient in a family that is well is a source of living water. And just over a week ago, a thunderstorm rolled through our area, and many people lost power. How many of you lost electricity a week ago? I was out of town. I picked a great day to be out of town. We were in Indianapolis for a doctor's appointment uh, for my daughter, and then we stayed over and uh, did some fun, family fun activities. But I followed the power situation on my phone by checking the security cameras at my house, and I could tell if the power had come back on. And then I could track it by all of you posting how many hours it's been now that you've been without power, going on eight hours without power, going on 12 hours without power. And when we lose electricity, we recognize just how dependent we've become upon it, how we kind of can't really function without it, how we've taken it for granted. All of our homes are connected to this power source and if we don't have it, it's a major inconvenience and disruption in our lives. But not for my neighbor. Because my neighbor has one of those fancy generators that as soon as the power cuts off, his generator cuts on. And he never misses a beat. Maybe there's a couple of seconds where the Cardinals game blinks off while the new generator kicks on, but then he's all set. And he's able to watch the rest of the game. A backup generator will supply your own power for your home. Power the necessities. And that's a great convenience. But I want to show you today in the passage that having your own source of life and power is not only a matter of convenience or inconvenience. It's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of necessity. The key ingredient in a well family is not having your own generator. It's not having your own water supply. It's not having a beautiful new home with the right number of bedrooms and bathrooms. Rather, the key ingredient is having your own supply of life and hope and joy, peace and patience. Jesus points people to this supply in John chapter 7 and verse 37. So look at that passage of scripture with me. Verse says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, 
Now, this feast that Jesus is at, it's the final day of a week-long feast called the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Tents. And the purpose of this feast was to remind the Israelite people that when they were making their way from Egypt to the Promised Land, that while they were nomads, they were traveling day by day to make their way through the wilderness, that God met all of their needs. And so he set up this festival in Leviticus chapter 23. And it would have three main elements. First of all, everybody was to live in a tent. So even if you had a house, everybody was going to move out of the house and into some type of temporary structure or dwelling during the feast. Can you imagine if it went, when it was Christmas or Thanksgiving and all of those people came over to your home, nobody could stay in the house, but everybody had to camp out in the backyard? Well, that's how they would celebrate this feast to remind them that their ancestors had been living in tents and moving across the desert. The other part of the feast was that there would be a daily drawing of water. Every morning, the people would wake up and the priest would go down to the, the spring of Siloam where he would take this pitcher and he would dip it and he would fill it and then he would make his way back up to the temple. And there at the temple, as he approached, the people would start to sing the psalms, and they would sing, and they would praise God. And then there at the temple, both that water and then another pitcher of wine would be poured out as a drink offering or drink sacrifice to the Lord. What this showed is that while they were living in tents and traveling through the desert, that God had provided them with the water that they needed to live. And God had done some miraculous, miraculous works to provide them with water in the desert, causing it to come from unlikely places and sources. God had made it possible for them to survive in the desert. The water represented the fact that God made it possible for them to survive. The wine represented the fact that God not only allowed them to survive in their desert, but he allowed them to flourish and thrive in the desert. Now, the people at this point, they lived in the promised land. They lived in the land that God had promised them. They had pools, they had springs, they had rivers, they had wells. They lived in homes that God had given them. They, they planted vineyards, they benefited from crops, they had all of these things, but God wanted them to remember when they did not have that. And he provided it for them day by day in the desert. And so Jesus is attending this feast and it's in the middle of this feast, when they are starting the final day of the feast, that morning ritual of pouring out the water, that Jesus stands up and he cries out. He doesn't whisper. He doesn't say it to the people who are nearby. He interrupts the service. He interrupts this ritual. And he says, let's read the rest of verse 37. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now for the people that are watching this ceremony take place, though they now live in a city, though they now have villages and they have wells, even for them, water was a daily source of work. They didn't have it on at a tap. They would have to go to a well or to a pool, 
and draw the water. And as inconvenient as it is for us when the power goes out, imagine how much more inconvenient it would be if the water also went out. The place that we used to take the, the teens to church camp at, it ran on a pump. And that meant that if the power was out, the water was out. And let me tell you, not having electricity is inconvenient. But not, able to be, not being able to flush toilets when you have 99 teenagers is really inconvenient. These people, they would have had to work every day to have water. Imagine what it would mean for you if your water supply was cut off for an extended period of time. Something happened here in Chandler and we didn't have access to our water utility. What would you do? Where would you go? Where would you draw water from? For the people, as they made their way through the desert, God met this need for them. They survived in the desert. He provided them with water. And now Jesus says, if you're thirsty, just as God has provided for the people in the desert, if you're thirsty, come to me and I will provide you with water. Not only will you have water, but you will have a spring that bubbles up within you. Now here's why this matters and here's why we're talking about this on this first message on the family. The reason we're talking about this is that I think that if we were to list the ways that our families are imperfect, if we were to list the ways that we are imperfect as fathers or mothers, siblings, children, probably the list would, would mainly be made up of ways that we have been let down or that we have let others down. Because what happens in our families is we're often looking for our families to meet a need that it simply cannot meet. Here's what happens, all right? We talked this several weeks ago about how our hearts are not full because they're broken and they leak. And we go through our lives recognizing that there's something that's missing. My heart is not full. My life is not full. Krista said in her testimony that she was always searching for something. And we're constantly looking for something to fill up what's missing in us. And then a wonderful thing happens. We meet this person and we think, finally, I found someone who is going to fill up what is missing in my heart. And they pour love into us and we're like, this is amazing. This person is so wonderful. They love me so much. And because they do this for you, you want to do that back for them. And so you do sweet things for them. You love them. You show them how much you care for them. And you go through this period where you're like, no, you hang up first. No, you hang up first, right? And you're constantly doing nice things for one another and writing notes for one another. But then time goes by, and you're still missing something. And instead of saying, no, you hang up, no, you hang up, I love you more, no, I love you more, you're saying, what'd you say? Have you seen my shoes? Can you put gas in my car? And this person that you were hoping was going to fill your heart and fill your life, suddenly you recognize they have a lot of needs. And instead of filling my heart, I feel like they're just constantly sucking life out of me. You say, well, you know, maybe, maybe what's missing is maybe we need children. 
and we add children to our lives and we say, you know what, for so small, they really, they're so needy. They're constantly wanting snacks and food and shelter. They're constantly growing out of their clothes. Let's have another one. Maybe the next one will be better. We'll really love this one right. We'll, we'll do it all right with this next child. And we find ourselves just constantly pouring out and pouring out. And we feel empty. And it's right about this time that our in-laws call and say that they're going to come and visit for a week. Or your boss says that he needs you to come in on the weekend, right? And you're like, I just don't have any more to give. I... I was hoping that you were going to satisfy my needs, but you, you have needs of your own. Because you can't fix the emptiness with more emptiness. It's like trying to get your power to come back on by plugging in more appliances. You can't fix the issue with more receptacles. You can only fix it with greater supply. You'll never add to your life and to your heart what you are longing for by adding more hearts to fill. There must be a supply solution. Just last month in Chandler, in June, uh, Chandler, the water department, asked its residents and people who have Chandler water who don't even live in Chandler um, to voluntarily restrict their water usage. And when the news interviewed, it, interviewed the director of the utility, he said there's been a lot of new houses that have been built on our utility, and many of them have swimming pools, and they have irrigation systems, and they use a lot of water. And so even with the vast resources of a public utility, there's a need to increase supply more than you increase demand. And I would venture that probably a lot of the issues in your family, in mine, in all of our families, in our nation, in our jobs, in our schools, in our church, is that we're looking for people to fill what only God can fill. We're looking for people to supply what only God can supply. In our world today, we have power supplied to our homes, and we also have water. In Jesus' day, water had to be brought from a source, from a well, from a pool. And when we read of the patriarchs in the Bible, what we see is that a lot of time, energy, and investment was made when they moved into a new place to dig a well. Or to find a place where you could be by a river. There had to be a water source. But if you had a well your family would do well. Because not only did you have water for your family, you had water for your crops and for your animals, for your cattle. For your family to do well, you must have your own well. You must have your own supply of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And Jesus says that he is that source. If you're thirsty, if you're longing for something, if you find yourself constantly searching for what is missing, you must find it in Jesus. 
The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes that God has set eternity in our hearts, which means that your heart is not only so large that the things of this world can't fill it, it's shaped in such a way that only the eternal can fill it. What that means is that you were built for eternity. You have a soul that is eternal. And you will never be able to fill it in the 80 years or so of life with temporal, earthly things. You were built for something beyond this. And for that reason, people who are surrounded by others who constantly pour into them, people who have anything that their heart might want or desire, who don't have no told to them ever, they don't end up happy. They end up more miserable than anyone else because they've had every opportunity to have that that opening, that void, that, that missing part of them filled and only to find themselves constantly still searching for something. It's not just that the people around you don't have an eternal supply of love to provide. Even if they did, you need the weight of glory and the goodness of God and His grace. You need something eternal. I want you to think about what it meant for Jesus to stand up in the middle of this festival and say, if you're thirsty, come to me. That would be quite arrogant unless you are the Son of God. John would say in the very beginning of his book that he had written down this account so that we might know that Jesus is the Son of God. Not that we might know about Jesus or know that Jesus was a good teacher or know that Jesus was a good man or that he had teachings that we would follow, but that we would know that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah. Jesus is saying, listen, God provided for you in the desert. He provided your your needs. He gave you what you needed. But know that all of that was pointing to the day that I would meet your most important need. I am the Messiah who has come. Not only so you have water to drink and food to eat, but so that what is broken in your heart and in your soul can be mended. So that your sins can be forgiven. So Jesus stands up in this festival and says, let anyone who thirsts come to me. And notice that Jesus doesn't say, let any who thirst that have kept all the rules, let any who thirst who have obeyed all of the laws, let any who thirst who have completed all of the rituals first. No, any who thirst come to me, come to me. He's using the same language that Scripture would use again and again and again when it would say, whosoever, for God so loved the world that whosoever, that's anyone, that's everyone, that's you. And when I used this illustration earlier, you might have thought, oh, that's not my heart because there's nothing in me. I'm completely dried out. Or what's in me is not love, it's, It's anger, it's resentment, it's sin, it's guilt, it's shame. The beautiful thing about God's love and His grace is that it can displace all of that. And that pain and that hurt. You must have your own supply of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
And verse 39 clarifies exactly how we experience this in Jesus. John goes on to say, gives us a little bit of commentary on what Jesus has just cried out to everyone at this festival. John adds in verse 39, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. But the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. John would experience this when Jesus had been crucified died for our sins, rose again the third day, and then he ascended into heaven, and the disciples experienced the laying on, the coming on, the indwelling of the Spirit. And that Spirit is present in the life and heart of every believer. When we say we invite him into our heart, that's what we're talking about. He comes to live and dwell within us. And we experience this, this well in us. You know, it's better than a well of spring because a spring bubbles up over. A well, you got to reach down. you got to send the bucket and crank it up. You've got to still reach down to the source. A spring is just constantly bubbling up. And Scripture tells us that when we have Jesus and His Spirit comes to live within us, that it is life and life abundant, that it bubbles over. It's this never-ending source of goodness, this supply that not only fills our hearts, but it flows out of us. Believers, we should be people that are so filled with God's love and His goodness that it comes spilling out of us. Paul would tell the Galatians in chapter 5, That the production of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. In other words, Paul is saying nobody would want to restrict that. Nobody would say, oh, we got too much love, too much patience, too much kindness, too much self-control. Last week when Pastor Eric was talking to us about winning the day, he quoted 2 Corinthians 4.16 that says, Though our outward man perishes, the inward man is renewed day by day. How is that possible? I don't know about you, but I'm feeling older every day. It takes longer to recover. I fall asleep in the evening when I'm watching TV. I just don't have the the strength that I used to. This outward man is perishing. But the Spirit renews the inner man day by day. I don't know about your house, but my house has a charger problem. There are so many devices that need to be charged, and they all take different chargers, and Every time Apple releases a new product, they change it so you have to buy new chargers, you know. And Nicole is super organized, and so she has labels on chargers, and she has things that are called, like, cord organizers or whatever. I mean, they're basically, it's a thing that just organizes all of the cords. And you know what? It's still disorganized. And I'm still going, has anybody seen my charger? All of these individual devices need power. They need a way to be plugged into the power source. Right now, here in this room, we got a whole lot of different people. 
different families and different problems, different needs. And your family is messed up in a way that's different from the way that my family's messed up. And your family of origin was messed up in a way that's different than the way my family of origin's messed up. But what we all need, what we all need is to be connected to Jesus, who is the supply of the love and the joy that we're searching for. You say, well, not me. I'm, I'm a little bit different. You don't know my story. You don't know my past. You don't know my situation. I don't, but Jesus does. And he is the answer for every individual and every family. He is the key ingredient in any family that will do well. He is the medicine that treats the sickness you have. He's what you need. Any who thirst, come unto me. And not only be satisfied, they'll have a spring of living water bubbling up in them. You know, preparing for this message, I was thinking about the application to someone who does not know Jesus and that he is the answer. But I was challenged. Because I'll be honest, it it isn't all love, joy, and patience that's springing out of me. It isn't all goodness, gentleness, kindness, self-control that's bubbling out of me. There have been some things in my life that I've allowed to restrict the presence and the impact of the Spirit. Believer, that's what should be springing out of us. That's what should be flowing out of us into the family members around us, the co-workers around us. We should be a spring of living water. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer.